The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Zeal. If you want a good massage but don't have the time to get one, have the massage come to you with Zeal. You pick the time and the location. Have your next massage on demand at home. Our listeners can get $20 off their first massage with promo code BIGIDEA. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 8th. In today's news... President Trump looks poised to undermine the Iranian nuclear agreement. The New York Attorney General resigns hours after serious allegations of physical abuse emerge. And a convicted felon really might win the West Virginia Republican Senate primary today. But first, the big idea. Watch what they do, not what they say. Often obscured under the avalanche of news and the clouds of intrigue, President Trump and his appointees continue to systematically deconstruct the administrative state. Five stories that published on Monday but are getting very little attention highlight major policy shifts that could adversely impact the lives of an untold number of immigrants, minorities, children, the sick, and the poor. Here are five overshadowed stories that spotlight Trump's true priorities. First, separating immigrant parents from their children. Attorney General Jeff Sessions yesterday pledged that the Justice Department will begin to prosecute every single migrant who illegally crosses the southern border, even if it means separating children from their parents. He said the Department of Homeland Security will begin referring such cases to DOJ for prosecution and that prosecutors will take on as many of those cases as humanly possible until they get to 100%. What he described as the zero-tolerance measure could split up thousands of families because children aren't allowed in criminal jails. Until now, most families apprehended while crossing the border illegally have been released to await civil deportation hearings. Second, rescinding funding for children's health insurance. To mollify fiscal conservatives who are angry about the trillion-dollar deficits that Trump's been racking up, the president is sending a plan to Congress today that would cut $15 billion in spending, mostly from the Children's Health Insurance Program. These proposed cuts are said to come from untapped chip money, but the plan looks dead on arrival. Republicans who are facing tough re-election campaigns don't want to vote to cut children's health insurance. Third, The repeal of the individual mandate is poised to raise premiums for sick people. Insurers are beginning to propose double-digit premium increases in Maryland's individual health plan market, a consequence of what the state's Republican health insurance commissioner calls a death spiral. CareFirst Blue Cross Blue Shield requested a 19% increase on the HMO plan used by the vast majority of individual plan members and a whopping 91% increase on its PPO plans. These rate requests are an early sign of the trends in the individual marketplaces across the country. CareFirst Chief Executive Chet Burrell said that he believes the Trump administration's move to zero out the individual mandate penalty for not being insured in 2019 will exacerbate these premium increases, but he said it's too soon to say precisely what those effects will be. Fourth, The administration is rolling back anti-segregation rules at HUD. Civil rights activists today will file a lawsuit against Ben Carson and the Housing and Urban Development Department for rolling back an Obama-era rule aimed at reducing segregation. The 2015 regulation required more than 1,200 communities who receive billions of federal housing dollars to draft plans to desegregate their communities, 
or risk losing federal money. Carson, who has long criticized federal efforts to desegregate American neighborhoods as, quote, failed socialist experiments, quietly suspended the rule in January with no fanfare. This means that local and state governments can continue receiving HUD grants without complying with the requirements of the Fair Housing Act. The lawsuit argues Carson illegally suspended the rule because there was no public comment period or advanced public notice. Fifth, gutting the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Since taking over that agency in November, Mick Mulvaney has halted all new investigations. He's frozen hiring. He's stopped data collection, and he's proposed cutting off public access to a database of consumer complaints. He's dropped most cases against payday lenders, a primary focus of the Consumer Bureau. And he's also proposed scrapping a new rule that would have heightened scrutiny of an industry accused of tapping vulnerable customers in a cycle of debt. Today's New York Times reports that Mulvaney has literally walled himself off behind new frosted glass that prevents people from seeing into his office any longer. Some cases have been closed or paused indefinitely, and the Times quotes several current Bureau staff members expressing concern that Mulvaney will soon drop a major case against Navient, a student loan company that stands accused of cheating borrowers. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump is signaling that he plans to withdraw from the Iranian nuclear agreement in a speech at 2 p.m. Eastern today. That move comes ahead of a May 12th deadline for a decision. It follows the apparent failure of last-ditch efforts by three European dignitaries to convince Trump that his concerns about the accord could be addressed without violating its terms or ending it altogether. Leaders from France and Germany warn that nullification could lead to all-out war in the Middle East, not to mention an Iran with nukes. British Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson said last night that as far as he knows, the Trump administration does not have a plan B. Number two, New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who was once considered the probable next governor of New York, resigned last night just hours after he was credibly accused of physically abusing four women. Two women told the New Yorker on the record that the Democrat choked and slapped them while he was in romantic relationships with them, leading them to seek medical treatment. They also described intense emotional abuse. Schneiderman allegedly told one of the women that he could have her followed and get her phones tapped. Both women also said he threatened to kill them if they ended their relationships with him. Two other women described similar experiences, but not on the record. Schneiderman's resignation came after a chorus of New York Democrats, including Governor Andrew Cuomo and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, called on him to step down. Schneiderman denies assaulting the women and says he merely engaged in role-playing and other consensual sexual activity in his relationships. Schneiderman had positioned himself as a champion for women. He launched a civil rights suit in February against the movie producer Harvey Weinstein, and he's been reviewing how the Manhattan District Attorney handled a sexual assault allegation against Weinstein. Ironically, that same District Attorney will now likely end up investigating Schneiderman. Number three, four states, Indiana, North Carolina, Ohio, and West Virginia are holding primaries today. In Indiana and West Virginia, the GOP races include anti-establishment candidates who could test Trump's sway over his supporters. In the West Virginia Senate race, Don Blankenship, who spent a year in prison after being convicted of conspiring to violate safety regulations when 29 minors died at his coal mine in 2010, has been surging in several recent public and private polls. 
Under pressure from Senate Republicans, Trump tweeted on Monday that voters should reject Blankenship because he cannot win in the general election against the incumbent Democrat Joe Manchin. Blankenship replied in a statement, quote, I am Trumpier than Trump, and this proves it. Blankenship has mostly focused his campaign on promising to stand up to Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. In his attack ads, Blankenship refers to McConnell as, quote, cocaine Mitch. These attacks have gotten under McConnell's skin, whose allied groups are pouring in millions at the final hours to stop Blankenship. Sources close to the Kentucky senator say he's taken to answering the telephone when friends call as cocaine Mitch. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 8th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.